men correlate respect with love. A woman that shows her man respect is handed the world. But when that man is disrespected, or God forbid, if she cheats and he elects not to leave, you need to know there are one of two things that have happened to that man. Or maybe both. He's either accepted the reduced value version of himself that you've shown him to be and or that is a completely different man than the one that was hurt it's whichever his psyche is determined is best suited to move forward so any ladies out there listen up because if you've cheated or, or overtly disrespected your man and he's still by your side that is not the same man from before your event the shell is the same but the insides are all scrambled. So when that man fails to live up to your expectations somewhere down the line, just remember, you made him. You convinced him to stay. So the version you have is by your own design. Don't hold that man's feet to the fire when you showed him your wants and desires or your demons are more important than his entire being. And equally, men that have accepted this fate for themselves, remember you could have left. It was your choice. The ball was in your court. You were just too destroyed to think for yourself. So your backup id did it for you. Either way, here you are. Welcome to your new world. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. when we left off i'm spending time in my uncle's house you know there was that night where i i was asked and i took alicia and her friend away from the house and uh my uncle was left there with his girlfriend um we're gonna call his girlfriend trina that's not her name but she's gotta have a fucking name i'm tired of saying his girlfriend is girlfriend so trina we'll call her trina i guess they were left to deal with whatever they were they were going to deal with and by the time we had gotten back trina was in her room and my uncle was gone and there was no discussion or, hey, this is what happened. It was just my uncle was gone and she was locked up in her room. So, you know, fine. Figured they were cooling off or whatever. But I was using my uncle's house as a place to try to be sober, try to just be away from the game. You know, I mean, where was I going to go? You know, I had nowhere to go. I know if I go back to the valley, I'm I'm going right back to it. And it, it was it was strange because during this time is, you know, the the Honda had been taken. It was impounded because Trina called the cops is what I'm assuming. I don't I don't know, but but I know, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't until later that I figured that out. At the time, I just figured the cops found me. I, I don't know, dude, I was stupid and I had nowhere else to be. So I just hung out there. I had no reason to think I I couldn't be there. But as the days rolled on my uncle wasn't coming back and, and I didn't really think anything of it. It was adult business in my family. You don't get involved in adult business. And I, I had just been hanging out. And by this time it had been, I don't know, like a week since I, I seen or, or heard from, from Cindy. Uh, I knew that she was at her parents' house, you know, the car was taken and, uh, a few days after the car was taken, actually the, the day after the car was taken, she came out to my uncle's and she stayed a couple days. 
And then she had her mom come get her and off she went. And I figured, okay, they're going to go take care of the car stuff. And I'm feeling like a real pile of shit, you know, losing her car and whatnot. But it was weird because she and I didn't have a detachment like that. Like we talked all the time and, you know, I just kind of figured, okay, maybe she's decompressing and, and that's good. You know, maybe she's back at home and, and she's just getting her mind right. And so I just hung out at my uncle's and was just kind of a bum and laying around and, you know, a couple days after what I ultimately found out was the night that my uncle and Trina had split up, everybody was just lounging in the front room and, and Trina had finally come out of her room and was hanging out with everybody. And, and I was like, uh, what's going on? How are you? You know? And she was like, you know, Cindy fucked the neighbor. Right. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And she was like, yeah, that night. And I was like, oh, this bitch is projecting because I had kind of caught wind that Trina may or may not have fucked one of the neighbor guys. And I was like, oh, this bitch is trying to push this off on, on Cindy. This is some bullshit. I looked at Alicia and she gave me a look and I was like, wait, no fucking way. No way. Cindy's my angel. So like I do. Now, mind you. I was not in this moment considering all of the things I had put this girl through, right? You guys, I'm I'm telling this story from, from my perspective, you know, and there's a whole story that she could tell from hers. But there was something about this one, you know. I mean, she and I plenty of times have had rumors and and ones we had to get around as as young couples, I guess, do in the situation that we're in, but I called her. And she answered, and and I was like, hey, how are you? Where you been? And she's like, oh, you know, I'm just at my parents and whatever. We got the car. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, hey, let me ask you a question. I was like, Trina tells me that you fucked the neighbor. Like, is that fucking, how crazy is that? Like, here she is fucking getting busted for her having done it. And now she's deflecting on you. And there was this, this pause. And I was like, oh, wait, that's, that's not normal. And I said, did you, did you fuck the neighbor? And there was another pause. And I said, Cindy, did you fuck the fucking neighbor? And she said, no. And I said, don't lie to me. She was like, no. But the way she said it, I was like, say it again. And she was like, yeah, I did. And I hung up the phone and she called right back and I didn't answer and she called back again and I answered and I she's crying now and I'm like just round up my shit and bring it to me just bring me my shit and I hung up and in that moment everything of the last couple weeks two weeks nine ten days whatever it was it, it played through my head it was it was everything it was I, I asked her not not to leave me because I was I was trying to dry out I was trying to sober up and I was I was hurting and I needed her and, and she she said no and then I said I'll come with you and 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 it was no you stay and I'm like why 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 is that happening and my my chest is getting heavy and and I'm I'm, I'm like panicking and my my fight or flight's taken in and and then I realized oh fuck my fam my family was in that house my my cousins were why. Why are my cousins there? My, my cousins are there and they, they didn't do anything. The next morning I was, I was paraded 
she Cindy walked me up and down the street so that I could like get out and get some air and, and the dude was in his garage and he waved to her and she waved to him and and I said who's that and oh that's just Cliff fucking I said okay that's that was weird and why why was she fucking what, what the, the fuck? fuck everything broke everything fucking broke everything inside me fucking shattered I spotted that girl from across the quad in high school and I said who is that and mind you it was again I was there at this high school for a year I said who is that my friends are like oh dude she'll never talk to you I said challenge accepted this girl was my world and my world just crumbled there was nobody I, I looked around there was nothing but faces that have lied to me these people have known my family knows my uncle had to have known and it was in that moment that I felt like I split you know in the beginning of old Scooby-Doo commercials or the, the beginning of the show and Scooby gets scared and splits into pieces and then comes back together well I did that same shit but I never came back together I split and until it broke apart and what was left was little Jason and Jay and the fucking deepest, darkest piece of me that I ultimately wound up referring to as Heffy. I, I know that's a stupid name, but but it's the third character that 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 arrived. And little Jason just fucking just wanted to he just wanted to cry. Like fucking, why doesn't anybody love me? What the fuck? fuck is it about me that's so bad what is it that's so bad that in one shot this girl's my world and I know that I wasn't living up to any kind of good potential but I was trying I wasn't important enough to help stay sober I wasn't important I was paraded I I, I, I thought back to the the day or two after this happened before she went home and, and Alicia had slid a sticky note on the desk as me and my cousins and she and, and, and we're fucking watching God awful videos on consumption junction. And it said, Cindy's a pimp. And I thought nothing of it. I thought it was just a young girl, like looking up to another. And that wasn't what it meant at all. It wasn't what it meant. In one swoop, it took my family. It took my relationship it took my self-worth it took fucking it took everything from me it didn't matter if it was karma that brought that on it took everything my my uncle i've looked up to my uncle since i was a tiny little boy his sons were my favorite people on the planet nobody gave a fuck for weeks i sat looking like a fucking asshole Little Jason just wanted to cry. He just wanted he just wanted to fucking cry. He was so scared and he was so hurt. He was just screaming for help. Help me. Because this this hurts so bad it's like losing a body part. And Jay being the piece of me that was the outward version. He had to quiet little Jason down and, and 
in my own head, Jay was stifling and muffling little Jason. Just shut up, bro. Don't don't let anybody fucking see you cave, bro. You can't fucking cave. Don't. And he's he's covering his nose and covering his mouth and telling him to be quiet. You can't let anybody see this. You can't let anybody see they got you, dude. And it was like Jay held little Jason quiet until little Jason stopped moving. And it was like, it was like little Jason didn't exist anymore because he couldn't. He, he had given up. And all that was left was Jay. Because unbeknownst to me, in the role of Jay, his jefe had stepped away and decided he would take control at this point. Everything was gone. The place where I ran to, my, my place of safety. The safety of being near my uncle and my cousins. It was gone. It was gone. Every, every drop of self-value of self-worth was fucking gone. And little Jason is lifeless now within me. I remember walking back in the house and looking at the faces of Trina and Alicia and my cousins, and they knew I knew. And nobody gave a fuck. Trina was so fucking smug. Ha. This bitch fucking hated my uncle so bad, even though she fucked the other neighbor, even though she was the one. Now, I'm not making excuses. I'm sure my uncle was a pain in the ass. I'm fucking sure of it. But that doesn't change the facts she hated him so much that she came after me not that i didn't need to know but god i didn't fucking need to know you guys i, di I didn't need to know and then they proceeded to give me all of the details all blow by blow step by step a whole account of the night what led up to it, when they went to the room, what they heard, the conversations that happened after, the laughing, the jokes. I was given all the details. I don't want to hear that shit. You guys, I didn't even want to know this. The only reason I knew is because Trina told me. and She didn't tell me out of the betterment for myself. She told me because she was a vindictive bitch and was pissed off at my uncle because he left. Because she did the exact same thing she threw Cindy under the bus for doing. There was no fucking concern in a house with my cousins in it. And nobody came, hey, Jay, you need to go fucking straighten this out. Nothing. Now, again, I'm projecting my expectations because that's what I would have done. I can't expect that of everybody, but I got all the details. Shit, I didn't want to hear. Even when I told them I've heard enough, the stories kept coming. And when the stories stopped coming and something was remembered, oh, hey, you know what else? And it, it would keep going. And I was outside of myself. What do I do now? What the fuck? Where do I do? Where do I go? I'm surrounded by people I can't trust. People I don't even recognize. I've, I've got nothing. And it was at this time that Hefe really kind of took over. And 
I immediately thought back to times when I would talk with my friends and for some reason, my boys, there were these conversations back in the original house in Antico when me and the boys just got started that they would ask their girlfriends for some fucking reason, hey, of all of my friends, which one would you hook up with? And interestingly, a lot of the times they picked me, and that's very flattering and fucking weird. And they'd always ask, hey, when are you going to fucking, when are you going to ask Cindy? And I'd tell them, hey, man, if you think you can pull my girl, fucking go for it, bro. I said, because if you pulled her, then your game was better than mine, and I'll just shake your hand and tell you congratulations because she must have never been mine. And they'd laugh. But I was fucking serious. And that day, I held true to my word. And I walked over to that fucking neighbor's house. This had to have been two hours after she admitted it. And I knocked on that door. And I hear this voice, come in. Said, uh, you don't fucking want that. And he comes to the door. I'm like, you Cliff? He said, yeah. I said, you need to step outside, bro. We need to have a chat. And he knew what the fuck it was about. And he goes, look, bro. He goes, I had no idea. I had no fucking idea. I said, it's cool, man. I put my hand out. And he said, what the fuck? I said, and I told him the same thing I just told you. I had always said if somebody pulled my girl, I'd shake their hand. Because their game was better than mine that day. And I shook his hand. And he was like, you want a beer? I said, yeah, grab me a beer. Let's go outside. I timed it right. Because he and I were standing in the driveway when Cindy showed up with my shit. And I said, all right, bro, I, uh, I got something I got to take care of here. And he wandered over and he was like, man, I'm again, I'm sorry. I said, just go, bro. Just go. She came in, she brought me my shit. I brought her in the house. We ended it on a physical note. I figured, fuck, you want to fucking act like a whore? I'm going to treat you like one. Maybe not the nicest way to approach it, but that's how it went down. And I said, have a nice life. That night, I got dressed with as good of clothes as I had with me, and I went out with Alicia and her friends, and I just couldn't get into it. We was at this party, and I just excused myself, and I went outside, and I, I sat on the curb until they were done partying, and we were going to go home, and I decided what I was going to do. I evaluated the situation and realized that I wasn't worth a shit. Clearly, I'm not worthy of love. Clearly, I'm not worthy of loyalty. I'm fucking homeless. I'm trying to get off of these drugs, and it's fucking taking everything in me to fucking do that. You've got nobody around I can trust. So I'm going to rely on the deepest, darkest, fucking most terrible version of me. And I made a phone call. And the phone call I made was the next morning. And I called Joe. Of all people, I called Joe. I didn't think he was going to answer, I'll be honest, because we had fucking problems at this point, but he answered. Now, little backstory before I get into this. After I met Carrie and Carrie told me that Joe had sent him after me, I needed to send a little message. 
Because, yes, I'm telling you, I'm nonviolent, but I'm not losing my life. So we need to set some boundaries here. So I had rounded up O. And I took my PK and, and, and a nine that I had acquired. And I said, all right, oh, we got to go do something. And we waited. Now, leaving out of the area where Joe lived was like, imagine if you're entering and exiting through like a gated community, right? There's like a like an island that separates the in and outsides, right? And it was probably 50 feet long, okay? But in this particular instance, there was no gates. It was just how you got in and out of his section, which was perfect. Oh, waited on one side. I waited on the other. And when Joe went to leave... He was in that little 50-foot section of leaving the the housing area. O pulled behind him. I pulled in front of him. Got out of the car. I was holding the PK. O was holding the 9. O stood behind the car. And I just walked around the car holding it, looking him dead in the fucking eyes. I never pointed it at him. But he saw it. And I needed him to know... I'm not the one to fuck with. I walked around his car, stood right by his driver window, and looked him dead in the fucking eyes. I got in my car, and I drove away. And O followed him out of the neighborhood. O and I met back up, I got the gun from him, told him thank you. And Joe being the predictable motherfucker that he was, and me being the sick, twisted fuck that I was, and I had no idea even then why I did this, but I did it. I went to his house, knowing that his mother worked nights, and he lived with his mama, but he left the side garage door open, so I go into the side garage door, and I go into his house, and I grab the stool that was just inside his bedroom, and between his bedroom and the bathroom across the hall, that was the opening into the attic and so I released the clips from both guns because they were loaded you never know and I put the guns up in the attic I just tossed them up there and I left and now fast forward to this situation at my uncle's house I called Joe and I told him look man you need to get your stool or a ladder, whatever the fuck, and you need to look up in that attic space. And what you find up there, you need to bring to me. And if it doesn't get here soon, somebody's going to come have a conversation with you. Now I'm fucking lying through my teeth. I don't got anybody to, to send. I have nobody to send to him. But <laughs> little Jason and Jay are not in control here. So, I decide, I'm killing fucking everybody. I'm fucking, I'm lighting everybody up. You see, I would always keep my little backpack. It was kind of bigger than a fanny pack, not quite a whole backpack, but that's where I kept my clips. I kept two clips for each of those guns. Those were always with me. Seems ridiculous, right? Don't even have the guns. But I got the clips. Oh boy. Everybody's fucking dying. Joe's going to bring me my guns. I'm wiping out everybody in my uncle's house. I'm wiping out everybody in the fucking neighbor's house. And I'm killing Joe's fucking ass. And then maybe myself. Because that's where the fuck I'm at here. 
everybody's fucking dying. Joe shows up. Crazy as shit, man. He shows up. When I get in the car, this where's my shit. He looks a little nervous. He's got his cell phone on his leg, and we're starting to drive away. And I take his phone, and I break it, and I throw it out the window. Where the fuck's my shit, bro? Behind his seat. So I get it. Slap the clips in. He was nervous. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. But he was like, hey, man, uh, why don't you tell me what's going on? And I explained to him the whole story, and he was like, oh, shit. He was smart. He started getting me high. He's like, man, you want to get high? I said, bro, I've been clean for a, a while. He goes, fuck, this is how you're acting fucking clean? Oof. And he started getting me high. And he just kept getting me high. And in my head, I'm just mapping this whole fucking thing out as we drive around. And day turns into night, and we're all over the Bay Area. I mean, we are so far away from where I plan on fucking putting holes in fucking people and we just kept driving and kept getting high and kept driving and kept getting high we're we're over the bridge in the frisco back in the oakland we're we're san jose i mean we're everywhere the guy must have been fucking i'm assuming at least in the beginning he had to have been afraid of what was gonna fucking happen but we got high and drove all night in a way, I think I had this dude held hostage. But he and I just kept talking. And by morning, fucking Joe. Joe, this motherfucker that sent people after me. Joe, the fucking guy that got Eric to fucking turn on me. J- fucking Joe that had, I guess, his life to spare at, at, at the very least. Started talking about how this ain't the move. This ain't what you want to do. Like the conversation changed and I agreed. I agreed because I'm going to tell you if he would have just handed me my guns and fucking left. Cliff wouldn't be here. Trina wouldn't be here. Joe wouldn't fucking be here. And I probably wouldn't be here. That's where I was in that moment. Everybody's fucking dying. I've had it. I can't do this anymore. But Joe got me high enough to listen. First thing in the morning, we go to the Home Depot in Pleasanton. We buy a bucket, some bags of cement. We go to a park and uh, we bury the guns in the cement. Mix the cement really well and we bury the guns in there. We drive up to the waterfront, kind of the Alameda area. And we tossed that fucking bucket in the water. Joe saved a lot of fucking lives that day. He saved a lot of lives that day. What's interesting, and looking back, maybe I hid those guns in his house because that's what it was going to take for me to not... to not have fucking pulled those triggers. Maybe that's... that's why I did it. Because at the time, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but I hid those in his house for some reason. And at the end of the day, it was less about being a gangster and a thug and sending a message as much as it was that this was the person that needed to save lives. He drove me back to my uncle's. I didn't say shit to anybody. I, uh, I gathered my shit and I got in Joe's car and we went back to the valley. 
And I had him leave me in Manteca. He dropped me off at Yosemite in Maine. And I just got out, grabbed what shit I could carry. He gave me a big ass bag of dope. And was like, look, dude, like, don't do anything stupid. I said, I won't, man. And I proceeded to just walk aimlessly all over Manteca for what felt like days. It may have, in fact, been days. But, but what do I have? I've got nothing. I've got nowhere to live. I've got nowhere to even go lay down. I don't have a family member. I feel like everybody knows. How did they not know? Everybody, so my whole family knows why so I, I don't want to face them. And I've got nobody I can trust. You know, I had even called my uncle's ex-wife, the aunt I grew up with my, my entire life, and asked if I could please come just be, get warm. And she was like, nah, nah, you can't come here. That's because of the type of person I was, you know. I had nowhere to go. And now I'm just roaming aimlessly, freezing fucking cold. And there's no little Jason left. There's no light. There's nothing worth holding on to. There's nothing worth saving. I am as broken of a human as they come. Because now I'm just questioning fucking everything anytime i ever heard a rumor about cindy and somebody and now they're just fucking it's all true everything every every fucking pedestal i put her up on is fucking crumbled and wrong poor me never once taking accountability for anything that i put anybody else through in this instance it didn't matter Why wasn't I worth love? Well, we lost little Jason that day, or so I thought. That beautiful little boy that just wanted somebody to care enough. Now, Jay has replaced him and this fucking asshole Hefe. This guy's some other shit. This is a bad person. But it's who was manifested to try to survive. Man, I miss little Jason. He was a good kid. 